January 6th was not an insurrection, not an insurrection. No matter how much they hype this, exaggerate it, sensationalize it, lie about it, it was not an insurrection. They are doing all those things to achieve even more political power. But the lies and the distortions, not fair to anyone. What they're trying to do really is cancel Trump supporters or at least tarnish us for possibly having, I don't know, did we have something to do with this? Of course not. This was a riot. It was a bad day. But this, what they say about it, is not true. This was the most violent and disruptive uh, assault on the Capitol, breaching of the Capitol, since the War of 1812. The U.S. Capitol suffered its worst security breach since the War of 1812. Nobody's attacked Congress since 1812. It was the worst attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812. Wow. All speaking from the same Talking Points memo and all speaking uh, incorrectly about our history. Now, the War of 1812 was a big deal and it was very, very bad. The Brits basically burned down the entire city. But a lot of bad things have happened since inside the Capitol. In 1998, two Capitol Hill police officers were shot and killed. Detective Gibson and Officer Chestnut. They were shot and killed by an anti-government lunatic who got inside the Capitol and went on a shooting spree. Hmm? That was very, very bad. What do you think the families of those officers think and feel when they say uh, January 6th was worse than that? Hmm? It wasn't. It wasn't. How about 1983, when a bomb went off outside of the Senate? That was a very, very big deal. No one was injured, but it shut down business. In 1954, a gunman got inside the House of Representatives and actually shot five members of Congress. It's a Puerto Rican nationalist, and this was a very, very big deal. Shot from inside the House, from the gallery up there. Five members of Congress were shot. Uh, closer to the White House in 1950, if they call this a, an attack on democracy, there was an assassination attempt at Blair House right across the street from the White House. President Truman was staying there temporarily while they were renovating the White House. A Secret Service agent was killed and several were wounded. Also in 1915, a big stick of dynamite went off inside the Capitol building, inside the Capitol building, right outside the United States Senate. This was big bad stuff that has happened and a lot of it worse than what happened on January 6th. And keep in mind, on January 6th, Capitol really wasn't out of commission. They had to clean it up. But a few hours later, it was back to business, back to the electoral count. A lot of folks wanted to see a fuller debate, but that did not happen. All right. So should we have a commission, a commission, a real commission to find out what happened on January 6th? I actually think a real one would be great, but apparently the one they're considering, not so great, not so great. Uh, there are certain things they will omit, certain things they will look at. It seems designed to embarrass Republicans and not get the real answers that we need. Questions like this, what happened with those barricades? Why were some officers allowing protesters onto the steps of Capitol Hill? Have you seen this? No one has explained what this was all about. And this happened all over Capitol Hill that day. You'll see in another portion here, these barricades being removed by police officers so these people can get inside the Capitol building. And then there were others 
Capitol Hill police officers just standing by. Just welcome to the Capitol. What was all of this about? What was all of this about? Also, and you've seen this by now, the Horns guy and others like him just allowed into the Senate. They were just allowed into the Senate. At one point, that Capitol Hill police officer, you know, is basically saying, all right, guys, time's up. Do you mind leaving? Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? We will. I've been making sure they ain't disrespecting the place. Okay, just want to let you guys know, this is like the sacredest place. So why was that happening on the Senate side? Meanwhile, over on the House side, anybody who got within 10 feet of the House chamber was shot and killed. That's happening on the House side. You saw what was happening in the Senate side. Makes no sense. No warning. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed, and nobody seems to care. And for what I'm told about this commission, it will specifically not ask questions about this matter. It's like having the 9-11 Commission and not investigating the plane crashes of September 11, 2001, the hijacked planes. It's ridiculous. We need and deserve answers. And I want some questions asked of the media, too. Um, what was their role in all of this? And, you know, I find it still astounding that in the aftermath of January 6th, the media didn't mention that a Trump supporter was shot and killed, an unarmed Trump supporter. There's Savannah Guthrie the next morning in front of the Capitol, in that building, right behind her. That's where Ashley Babbitt was possibly murdered. We don't have the full story yet. We need answers. But most of all, you know who needs to be questioned? This one. I am calling for the resignation of the Capitol, the chief of the Capitol Police, Mr. Sund, and I have received a notice from Mr. Irving that he is, will be submitting his resignation. What did she know? When did she know it? What was her role in all of this? I don't think she should have any position right now in establishing how this is all going to be investigated. That's a massive, massive conflict of interest. One more thing. I am sick of the lies told about this day, especially about Officer Sicknick, Brian Sicknick. Now, he's a hero in my book, the day he volunteered to be a Capitol Hill police officer. But there's something very, very wrong about all of this. We were told for weeks that he was actually months that he was killed by Trump supporters with a fire extinguisher. That is not true. But why haven't we been told the entire story? And the Capitol Police, quite frankly, have been extremely evasive on all this. And this funeral, almost a month later, held, I'm sorry, but it struck me as political theater. It did. And meanwhile, do you think this guy is really, really seeking the truth as he said he was on Inauguration Day? There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. And each of us has a duty and a responsibility as citizens, as Americans, and especially as leaders, leaders who have pledged to honor our Constitution and protect our nation, to defend the truth and defeat the lies. The first part of that, I think he was spot on and he revealed himself again. Lies told for power and profit. Absolutely, Joe. We'll be right back.
Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I All can, I can say, say is, is that the fake, fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do, do they? It. They don't get it. They don't get it. Uh, oh, this is wild. The fake news is not talking about it, but it's amazing. First off, Joe Biden spoke at the Coast Guard Academy commencement yesterday, had a major screw up. But first, let's show you how it's done. President Reagan spoke at the Coast Guard Academy commencement in the late 1980s, 88, I believe. And uh, he told a little joke that was so genuine and it really connected with the audience. Uh, here he is, the great communicator. My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that, and I quote, the Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. Totally worked. You get it? I get it. And you ding the Navy a little bit, all in good fun. Fast forward to yesterday. Joe Biden is the invited guest speaking at the uh, commencement for the Coast Guard Academy. He steals the same line, by the way, not giving Ronald Reagan uh, credit, uh, but he butchers it so bad and blames the audience. I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are quite, you're a really dull class. I mean, come on, man. Is the sun getting to you? I would think you'd have an opportunity when I say that about the Navy to clap, but being here together. It's terrible. And you saw how Ronald Reagan did it. Oh, man. This can't go on for much longer. It's pathetic. Also pathetic, this is a juicy story, no matter where you are, and um, mainstream media ignoring it. This is, uh, this is good stuff. It's amusing. Sorry. Meanwhile, uh, we have this, and this is actually pretty good, too. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Here she is, uh, flailing recently on the floor of the House of Representatives. You know, she's a bartender right up until she got elected, and that's great. Terrific. We need people from all backgrounds in the House of Representatives. But you know she's a socialist, right? Did you know that she drives a Tesla, a special Tesla, that is uh, worth about $60,000? You know, she's always moaning about student loans and things like that. That's a pretty expensive car, illegally parked, by the way, uh, at a Whole Foods not far from Washington, D.C., uh, or maybe inside Washington, D.C., I can't tell. But anyway, um, kind of off-brand, don't you think? When we, when we as a public choose to invest in new technologies, we deserve a return on that investment. And for far too long, we gave money to Tesla, we gave money to a ton of people, and we got no return on our investment. Yeah. Mm, uh, well, now she's investing in Tesla. She also, oh, mm, Whole Foods is owned by Amazon now. And uh, she said this about Jeff Bezos, who started the most successful company in the history of the world. I think it's incredible. I mean, it shows that everyday Americans still have the power to organize and 
fight for their communities and they can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world. Oh, that's when she successfully uh, drove Amazon out of her own district. The most successful company in the universe wanted to set up a headquarters where she lives. And she said no. All right. This is not a smart person, uh, but she's pretty and she's telegenic. So the fake news loves her. All right. Demi Lovato. Are you familiar with her musician? Uh, I hear she's pretty good. Anyway, she's made a decision about her gender or lack thereof. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. Uh, all right, got to be honest, I still get a little stumped when I hear the term non-binary. I do. I, I kind of know what it means, but I kind of don't. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I have a feeling she wants to change the subject from her recent rude behavior at a yogurt store. Demi Lovato has become an amazing example of resilience, perseverance, and now getting over her skis because you're not going to believe this. Demi Lovato is waging war against a yogurt shop, The Big Chill. Finding it extremely hard to order Froyo from The Big Chill official when you have to walk past tons of sugar-free cookies, other diet foods before you get to the counter. Do better, please. Anyway, this was a fiasco for her. Uh, I don't get it. What are you going to do? Now this. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter, but not the way the Black Lives Matter organization thinks. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. But life is significant. All life is significant, including the life of six-year-old Anya Allen shot Monday night while riding in a car with her mother in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Police say the car was suddenly caught in a hail of bullets when rival gangs exchanged fire. Anya was caught in the crossfire, struck in the head. She died at the hospital two days later. She was the third child struck by bullets in Minneapolis in the past three weeks. The other two are in the hospital in critical condition. Now, Anya was the granddaughter of longtime Minneapolis anti-violence activist K.G. Wilson, who slammed Black Lives Matter. You murdered our loved one, one of the most beautiful little girls probably ever here in, in Minneapolis. Could have been one of our future leaders. I definitely was trying to train her up to be one of the future community leaders, leading her by example. Not want her to see me like this today. I respect what Black on Black Lives Matter do as an organization or a movement, but when is Black Lives gonna matter to us? When we do something to us? A great point. I disagree with him about the organization, but where's the energy, huh? How about finding that killer and how about preventing these things from the get-go? And where is Barack Obama? Where is the political left? Hmm? Telling people to put down their guns finally. Anya Allen's medical bills and funeral. There is a, uh, a website, a GoFundMe page, and we would love it. And I know the family would be very appreciative if people would donate. She was just six years old. We'll be right back.
Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. So January 6th of this year, the riot on Capitol Hill. This has been exaggerated, hyped, and sensationalized, I believe, by the left so they can achieve even more political power and tarnish those who oppose them. That said, there were some bad things that happened that day, and I would like to know more. But this commission they're talking about may not be a fair one at all. Let's bring in our panel. We have Mark Meadows with us, former member of Congress, former White House chief of staff to Donald Trump. Welcome, sir. And also Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, who has been seeking critical information in this case and meeting a lot of resistance. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Mark, first to you. What is the problem with the commission that they're talking about right now? It seems like it's not an earnest effort to find out everything we need to know. Well, it's all about political uh, theater. I mean, Tom, Tom, I'm sure will back me up on this. But what we see is these uh, made-for-TV uh, quote commissions and hearings that go on. They're they're not really about finding the truth. And the and the truth of the matter is, they need to ask themselves some very tough questions, like why didn't Nancy Pelosi reach out? You know, to my to my knowledge, she never reached out to the the Trump White House. But listen, this is all about, this is the only thing Democrats have. They, they uh, have open borders. We have no jobs. We have uh, no peace in the Middle East. And so this is the only issue that they can grab onto. So this is all about political theater, not about getting to the truth. Well, Tom, I know you're seeking information, but before we get to that, uh, the 9-11 Commission, I actually thought that did a pretty good job. You know, it was bipartisan. And they found out a lot of things that we want to know. When I look at this legislation authorizing the commission, they're already right off the bat talking about domestic terrorism. And I'm told that this will specifically preclude us from finding out about what happened to Ashley Babbitt, why it happened, how it happened. Do you have a problem with this legislation? Yeah, I, if it were political theater, I, you know, that's that's what happens on Capitol Hill, political theater. That's, you know, you have investigations or committee hearings. We all know what that's about. The concern is that, uh, especially under Nancy Pelosi, this Congress will weaponize its powers further to target its political opposition under the guise of investigating what's plainly happening here, which was a riot among certain people. We have the video of it happening. They want to go beyond that in the sense of trying to tie the president's political opposition or people who he thinks are his political opposition and harass them with subpoenas and such. Remember, it was this House of Representatives that we're fighting now over a subpoena they issued secretly for the phone records of the president's lawyer without court authorization. And they're saying they have the power to do that. I oppose this because it is a clear and present danger to our constitutional liberties. They haven't used this for political gain. They've used this to abuse power and our civil liberties. And this commission, in my view, given the background of the folks behind this is part of that game. Well, it's too bad well, because Greg, there are some they, valid they questions. Mark, have, if you don't mind, yeah. I want to take us through yeah. a couple of things that I need answered. Uh, and I think we as Americans need answered. Who is this cop who seemed to be letting people in? We saw numerous videos like this. This officer is encouraging, directing people 
onto the steps of the Capitol. We saw it also closer to the Capitol, uh, the barricades being dismantled and people encouraged to come through right here in the next clip. And then later, you actually see people walking right by Capitol Hill police who are doing nothing to uh, stand in their way or even encourage them to turn around. It's just kind of welcome to the Capitol. Come on in. These things have not been adequately addressed, Mark, as far as I can tell. Well, they haven't been adequately addressed, but I, I can tell you, uh, Tom's exactly right. Not only is this hearing and this commission not set up in a way to get to the truth, but the conclusion's already been drafted. Let's let's face it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, her progressive leftist Democrat colleagues have already read, uh, written the narrative. They've written the conclusion. They're looking for some legitimate way to be able to continue this on without answering the very questions that you were talking about. You know, who were the officers that were involved in that. And, and ultimately, when we when we look at this whole narrative, they only have January 6th. That's yeah. all they've got because they have no ideas. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I don't see it being meaningful. I served on the oversight committee, as Tom and, and you both know. And, and I can tell you that most of what they will do is just make four or five minute speeches for television in hopes of continuing a, a false narrative. You mentioned both political theater Here's Congressman Tim Ryan, Democrat of Ohio, who ran for president, believe it or not, in the last cycle. Uh, political theater. Here it is. I want to thank the gentleman from New York and the other Republicans who are supporting this and thank them for their bipartisanship. To the other 90 percent of our friends on the other side of the aisle, holy cow, incoherence. No idea what you're talking about. We have people scaling the Capitol, hitting the Capitol Police with lead pipes across the head, and we can't get bipartisanship. What else has to happen in this country? Cops. This is a slap in the face to every rank-and-file cop in the United States. We need two political parties in this country that are both living in reality, and you ain't one of them. You know, it's totally ridiculous. Uh, and by the way, law enforcement, <laughs> Officer Sicknick, they lied about him. He was a hero the day he volunteered uh, for that job. But they lied about him. He was not killed by Trump supporters. He had a medical episode, and they have still not come clean. We, uh, I only have a few seconds left. Final thoughts, uh, Tom, if you don't mind. Heal thyself, physician. We're asking for information about what went on. We've had to go to federal court. The Capitol Hill police is covering up what went on. The, the lack of disclosure and secrecy can be addressed immediately. But, of course, they don't want to do that because they don't want to focus on themselves. They want to focus on citizens. This is a dangerous time we're living in. Tom Fitton, we're glad you're on the case. And Mark Meadows, you too. We appreciate it so much. To be continued, and we'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. So there's Lori Lightfoot, uh, the disastrous Democrat mayor of Chicago. Uh, just about everybody understands she's doing a terrible job, especially maintaining order in that city. So... She happens to be a lesbian and a person of color. I don't think that's particularly relevant to anything, but she can't stop talking about it. 
And now this, a very bizarre letter with an <laughs> beyond potentially racist message. Uh, listen to this. By now, you may have heard the news that on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of my inauguration as mayor of this great city, Chicago, I will be exclusively providing one-on-one -on -one interviews with journalists of color. That's it. You've got to be a journalist of color to have an exclusive interview with Lori Lightfoot. Or, no, yeah, uh, seems totally ridiculous, but... Let's go to Chicago right now. We've got Rod Blagojevich, the former governor of Illinois, standing by, and also Betsy McCoy, former lieutenant governor, right here in New York. Uh, governor Blagojevich, first, it seems outrageous. It seems ridiculous. Uh, I mean, what else is there? Do you know Lori Lightfoot at all? No, I don't. That what do you make of such a... I mean, is this, am, I, am I being overly sensitive here? This seems like an overtly racist thing to do and say. No, I think what you're saying is very important. It's actually fundamental to America and what America's supposed to be. Listen, anytime anyone, anywhere, no matter who he or she may be, denies someone an opportunity based solely on the color of that person's skin, that's racism. What else is that? And that's her policy now. If you're a white reporter, you can't have a one-on-one -on -one interview with uh, the mayor of Chicago. The only thing that's... Uh, Different between Lori Lightfoot and David Duke is the color of their skin and their sexual orientation. Otherwise, they share the same worldview from opposite sides of the spectrum. Instead of living up to the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King of judging people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, instead of working to build what Dr. King called a beloved community where we are all God's children, what is she doing? She's establishing a system of apartheid in Chicago. And I'm calling on my fellow Democrats, the President Biden, Vice President Harris, Governor Pritzker, Senator Durbin, to stand up against racism and condemn this. If they don't condemn this, they're condoning it. And more than that, they ought to kick her out of the Democratic Party. If the Democrats really hate racism as much as they say they do, they can't tolerate this. They well, must throw her out of the party. Uh, I get it. But hey, Betsy, there is a chance here. I don't know how many people really even wanted to interview her on the two-year anniversary <laughs> of her inauguration. I mean, maybe this is creating a, suddenly a demand where there was none. Look, the statement is obviously ridiculous. I do actually question how many people were seeking that interview, but your thoughts, please. But it's important because Lightfoot is typical of the new Democratic Party, a party of reverse racism. Donald Trump wanted to put America first, the Democrats put blacks first. And this new America Rescue Plan that was just rammed through Congress by Democratic votes only, it puts black farmers eligible for loan relief, but white farmers are ineligible simply by the virtue of the color of their skin. Black restaurant owners go to the front of the line to get relief from the Small Business Administration for what they lost during the pandemic. White business owners have to go to the back of the line. It's unconstitutional, and it's a violation of every principle of fairness. Um, and it's taking up a lot of time, all this talk about race and in a very unproductive way. Meanwhile, she's got real problems in Chicago. Take a look at these numbers. Uh, crime is out of control in Chicago and has been for a long time. Let's go ahead and put them up on the screen. Seventy-three percent of the victims, by the way, are black as the problem soars um, in Chicago. It's pretty terrible. Oh, take a look at this. Yeah, 2021, murders, 195, sexual assault, four. And for a 
population, uh, Chicago, these are ridiculously high numbers. Um, I want to point out, though, I, according to her own standards, her own wife, if she were a journalist, could not interview her because she is not a person of color. She's married and a uh, fine woman, I'm sure, but the wife would be ineligible to interview uh, Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, that's something else. Uh, Rod, um, you're in Chicago, by the way. How bad is it? Well, it, it's a tale of two cities. Uh, in one part of the city where white people live, interestingly enough, not gun wood, things are reasonably safe. However, and this is the sad reality of a system that uh, un it has turned out to be, in some respects, racist. The violent crime that you talk about actually murders better than 75% of the murder victims in Chicago are black. And when Mayor Lightfoot and leading Democrats continue to declare war on the police, won't defend the police, want to defund the police, undermine the police, I would argue that's a form of racism because it's the police that are the ones, the only ones who can protect the black community from violent crime. Community activists can't do that. It's the police. And this mayor, like too many Democrats today, are afraid to support the police. It's a very different Democratic Party than the Democratic Party I was in, yeah. the Democratic Party of President Kennedy. Uh, we used to not only support the police, we used to honor our flag, and we believe that if you're going to have a national day of prayer, you put God in it, and you don't leave him out like yeah. President Biden just did. Sure, sure, sure. Hey, one more thing about the, um, the racial observations of Mayor Lightfoot. I want to put that letter up um, where she said this about media in Chicago. I have been struck since my first day on the campaign trail back in 2018 by the overwhelming whiteness and maleness of Chicago media outlets, editorial boards, the political press corps, and yes, the city hall press corps specifically. You know, the first thing I thought of, some of the greatest journalists have come out of, well, they used to be great, then they got Trump derangement syndrome, but a lot of very prominent journalists who happen to be people of color have come out of Chicago. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Lester Holt, talk about Trump derangement syndrome. And one of my favorites, actually, and unfortunately, uh, he's no longer with us, uh, Max Robinson uh, from way back in the day. There he is, Max Robinson. I really like that guy. All from Chicago. Chicago is a diverse town. I want to show you guys this real quick. Uh, this whole thing about the color of journalists is very top of mind for a lot of people. Joe Hagan profiled Michael B. Jordan, the actor, pretty prominent actor. And uh, this was actually in the piece. That there was a reluctance. Uh, before I fly to Los Angeles to meet Michael B. Jordan, he expresses concern to his representatives that Vanity Fair is sending a white reporter to profile him. He's been interviewed by plenty of white reporters, but he's also felt misunderstood and occasionally burned. Anybody who's ever been interviewed, and I think all three of us have at one point or another, <laughs> feel burned by the process. It goes with the territory. It has nothing to do with race. Uh, Betsy, uh, right? That's right. Uh, but let me point out that if a media outlet in Chicago had guts, had real courage, they would sue over this because if a governor's office or a White House or a mayor's office announced, we will not allow interviews by black reporters, there would be a lawsuit immediately. This is exactly the same thing. You are denying those white reporters and their media bosses the opportunity to ply their profession 
and do their job. And it is unconstitutional to set up those racial barriers. Yep. And it's happening all over the place. Betsy McCoy, um, Governor Blagojevich, we thank you both very, very much. Good stuff to be continued for sure. Grant Stinchfield mm -hmm. is standing by. Uh, tan, rested, and, well, not so tan. Hey, where'd you go on vacation? You were gone for No, you don't think so? I don't know. I, I was in Florida, and I was also in California. I thought I got a little sun, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> uh, well, it's good that you're back. <laughs> and uh, so what's going on? So, uh, look, you know, we talk about will we go to war with China, right, Greg? So I'm here to offer up the prospect that China is already at war with us. And part of my trip, I got to meet and talk with Gordon Chang, the great Chinese uh, expert on China. And he talked about the three ways China's at war with us, disease, subversion, and fentanyl. And we'll get into all three of those things, how China is using it to wage war against America already. That at the top of the show, Greg. Wow, you know, I heard somebody say, you know who's really in favor of legalizing weed in America? The Chinese. Uh, they couldn't be happier they that we're getting higher yep. and higher on, on dope, dope. Mm -hmm. uh, Grant, mm -hmm. sounds great. We'll be watching, and I'll be right back. Hey, take a look at this. Have you seen it? Everyone's talking about it. Are we looking at a UFO uh, from another planet, another galaxy? What is going on? We're seeing more and more videos of unexplainable objects flying around. And one of the reasons why we're seeing this stuff now is thanks to our next guest, Jeremy Corbell, editor of Extraordinary Beliefs. He's an expert on this topic. He's devoted his life to it. You gotta check out his, uh, his website and his film. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Jeremy, first, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Great, thanks for having me. It's exciting times. Yeah, you bet. Uh, first of all, uh, what do you think this thing is? And it was, I believe this is from 2019, taken from a naval vessel, U.S. naval ship, and they couldn't explain it. You've been looking at this stuff for a long time. What's going on here? Yeah, so look, uh, the U.S. Navy uh, photographed and filmed pyramid-shaped UFOs and spherical advanced transmedium vehicles swarming our Navy ships. I obtained and released uh, numerous pieces of footage with my mentor in journalism, George Knapp, and our releases were directly confirmed by the Pentagon. So what you're witnessing is a true unknown. These are UFOs in the true sense of the word. They are unidentified advanced aerospace vehicles. What we're seeing here is an object tra transcending from air into water. They call that transmedium. It appears to be transmedium descending into the water without destruction. This was filmed off of the USS Omaha, which was one of our stealth ships. This is an incredible piece of footage, and I'm glad I could get it out to the public. So uh, I want to play you this from President Obama, former President Obama. Yes. There are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved their trajectory, uh, they, they did not have um, an easily explainable pattern. And, you know, he's he's seen all the stuff, you would imagine, top secret, double top secret clearance. Um, the government seems to be a bit more cooperative lately in releasing this stuff, are they? Kind of. This is a turning point. So um, 
Former President George W. Bush was asked directly about the videos that I released last month, which are of the green, triangular, but actually pyramid-shaped UFOs swarming the USS Russell. So now this is President Obama being asked because I released this recent piece of footage where it appears to be a transmedium vehicle going into the water, filmed by the USS Omaha and FLIR. Is the government more open about this now? Well, look, the American public has a right to know, has a need to know, and we have a duty to find out. And there's a report coming out this summer. So I'm pushing the envelope, trying to get more answers for the American public. All right. This is the uh, former director of an organization inside the Pentagon uh, that had a responsibility for looking into officially. This is part of his job. Let's take a look. Imagine a technology that can do six to 700 G-forces that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space. And oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. Again, he was in the military, worked for the Pentagon. Jeremy, can you tell us a little bit how you got into all of this? Yeah, well, look, I, I'm curious like anybody else. I'm, I'm a filmmaker and I've developed sources over the years. We are witnessing in our airspace beyond next generation technology. The question is, who is operating these? What is their intent? So we have craft, aerospace craft, flying with impunity within our restricted airspace and, and around our nuclear facilities, as well as just our, our, our secret facilities. This is a problem from the idea of just mid-air collision. This is a problem. So, so now we are confronted with this reality. The UFO presence on planet Earth is a reality. I don't know what UFOs are, but they demonstrate a technology that America wishes they had. And we, we need to find out if it's another foreign adversary that has it although all indications are this is more exotic. More exotic as in from uh, someplace not Earth, extraterrestrial. Um, I'm very intrigued by UFOs, and I am. I want to tell you something I heard once from Buzz Aldrin, of all people, man who walked yes. on the moon. He, I asked him if he believes in extraterrestrial life. He said, could be, but we'll never know because it's so far away they can't get here and we can't get there. What do you think of that's that? That's incorrect. Hmm? Really? Uh, that's incorrect. So so that's that's the problem. I you know, I know Buzz, I know his standpoint. The idea that space has anything to do with it, if these craft are transmedium, if that's what we're witnessing in the video that I released, then they're operating off a propulsion system that is not a reactionary propulsion system. In fact, our military believes it to be a gravitational propulsion system. And if that's the case, if the scientists and the military are right, and this is gravitational propulsion, then the distances between stars become absolutely unimportant because you're operating off a different type of technology to travel from point A to point B. So those distances don't matter. So I think that like most things, we're going to learn through time. There's more we don't know than we do. And, and I don't know that these are extraterrestrial. Mm. I know they represent a technology that is something that has never been demonstrated in the theater of war in the history of humanity. What does that mean? I don't know. Now, let me just take one more look at this video, which I believe is intriguing, but now I'm going to take a skeptical approach. I mean, couldn't it be a smoky helicopter that just sinks? I'm nope. going to look at it for a moment. I mean, I see a smudge 
And again, I don't think it's just a smudge. There's something going on here. But, uh, you know, could it be? And it, it just goes into the water and disappears. Um, I don't know. And that looks a little bit. Do you remember the Brady Bunch episode where Peter put, put up the sheet in the background with the whistle and the light? It's just going back and forth. Look, the look, UFO this episode. Is, this is forward looking infrared tied into our war systems, our most advanced Navy war systems. This is not a smudge. It's not a bird. It's not a typical plane. There's no rotors, tail, fins, any types of plumes of exhaust. That's what you see in thermal. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to tell you, this is a spherical advanced vehicle that is propelling itself in ways that we are not quite sure about. So skepticism is, is really good, but denying the facts is not good. We now have to look at this from a place of national security and national defense. There's a technology out there, right. and it is far beyond what we have. It's wild stuff. Uh, Jeremy Corbell, everybody follow him on Twitter. Go to his uh, website, extraordinarybeliefs.com. Yeah, and just my Instagram is where I've been dropping UFO bombs all month. <laughs> okay, keep it up. We'll be watching. Many thanks, and we'll be right back. Thank you. choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. Okay, you know Michael Savage, the radio talk show host? Uh, I like him. Sometimes he can be uh, you know, a little bit out there, but I like him. Anyway, did you know that he was actually a member of the Board of Trustees for the Presidio uh, Federal Park and Military Base in San Francisco? It's true. In addition to being a great radio host, he uh, spends a lot of time at the Presidio. You know, he's an expert in everything, this guy, health, the environment. So he was fired from this job. It's a federal job. He was appointed by President Trump, and uh, he's out of a job. Joe Biden administration did this. Uh, you can read about it on Newsmax.com. Um, and Michael Savage will be on Rob Schmidt tonight at 10 o'clock, all right? 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Michael Savage says he plans to fight back against the firing. So this could be very interesting. Tune in tonight at 10 for Rob. In the meantime, I'll see you tomorrow. Stand by for Stinch. Thank <laughs> you.